With election season now in full swing, President Trump and former Vice President Biden head to Kenosha, Wisconsin, in the midst of these ongoing tensions. We'll hear from both candidates and Vice President Mike Pence one-on-one in the state of Pennsylvania. Plus, we'll talk with Indiana Congressman Andre Carson and Jim Banks, who's proposing a bill that could take unemployment benefits away from violent protesters. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Good morning. A lot of news this holiday weekend with the election less than two months away. And today we're talking with Indiana lawmakers about some of this week's top stories on the campaign trail as both President Trump and former Vice President Biden made their way to Kenosha, Wisconsin, in the midst of a year filled with political tension. Today I'm there for law enforcement and for the National Guard because they've done a great job in Kenosha. They put out the flame immediately. As soon as they came in, boom, the flame was gone. The words of a president matter. No matter if they're good, bad, or indifferent, they matter. No matter how competent or incompetent the president is, they can send a nation to war, they can bring peace, they can make markets rise or fall, and they can do things that, I, uh, that I've observed uh, can make a difference just by what they say. Biden also met with Jacob Blake's family during his visit to Kenosha as that police shooting continues to make news there in Wisconsin. Also this week, we're hearing from Vice President and former Indiana Governor Mike Pence, who was in Pennsylvania this past week campaigning for the Trump-Pence ticket. He spoke one-on-one there with our affiliate in Pennsylvania about the campaign and about the protests in Kenosha. What's your response to some of those questions about his, his visit to Kenosha? People of Kenosha, Wisconsin, have been through a lot in the last week seen businesses burned out and destroyed with rioting and looting. The president called on the governor of Wisconsin to send in the National Guard, and when he did, it quelled the violence. And the president thought it was very important today to be there to be with the people of Kenosha, but also to thank members of the law enforcement community and our National Guard for a job well done. We're going to stand for law and order. And I think the president's presence in Kenosha today reaffirms our commitment to stand with the families, to stand with law enforcement, uh, and, and to stand up uh, to those who would be bringing violence and mayhem to our streets. Kamala Harris, a debate is scheduled for October. What's your approach to it? What, what do you think is going to happen with that debate? Are you looking forward to it? Or just what's your take on debating uh, the vice presidential candidate on the Democratic side? Well, I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to debating Senator Harris in Salt Lake City on October the 7th. And, uh, uh, It'll be a great opportunity, I think, to contrast uh, the agenda that Joe Biden wants to advance in this country. And Joe Biden, Senator Harris, and the Democratic Party have really been overtaken by the radical left. They're advocating higher taxes, socialized medicine, open borders, abortion on demand, and actually advocate cutting funding to law enforcement. President Trump and I have a proven record. And the results in our first three years speak for themselves. Seven million jobs created uh, in the first three years. But even in the, in the wake of this coronavirus pandemic, we've seen more than nine million Americans going back to work in the last three months alone. And I think that for American jobs, for American workers, we need four more years of President Donald Trump in the White House. Some good employment numbers coming out Friday as well. Let's turn now to my interview with Congressman Andre Carson. We spoke about the situation in Kenosha and also discussed the latest news on the coronavirus with talk of a potential vaccine in the works that could even be ready as soon as November. 
Well, the timing uh, does raise eyebrows, uh, unfortunately, but I think what's more important is that we reduce the impact of COVID. I've been impacted. So many of my constituents have been impacted. People across the country have been impacted the globe, quite frankly. And we have to look at ways in which the intelligence community, the medical community, and politicians and health officials can work in a cooperative manner without compromising information to ensure that people are getting better. I also want to get your reaction to what we've seen unfold in, in Kenosha, the shooting of Jacob Blake, the protests that we have seen since, and both presidential candidates visiting the city this week in the midst of these tensions. How do you view the events that, that we've seen here in recent days? Well, unfortunately, President Trump has used this opportunity to sow division. He's used this opportunity to incite violence uh, against peaceful protesters. He's used this as a way to mobilize his base under racial undertones and under uh, this kind of sense that people are losing their country, they're losing their jobs and opportunities. And I think in a very real sense, Donald Trump has, is really a case study on what it means when we don't do our due diligence and elect our leaders simply based off of personality or uh, the kind of celebrity that they have. We need someone in office who represents true American values and who can go beyond color lines and racial lines and economic lines to bring people together and bridge the gap, whether you're Republican, independent, or libertarian. But what about the political implications? You mentioned the election. Senator Braun this week flat out said President Trump will be reelected because of the lawlessness, in his words, that's playing out on TV every night in these cities that have been run by Democrats for decades. What's your view on that? Do these protests have political ramifications for Democrats? We've seen some polls tighten in recent days. My hope is that these young people of goodwill, um, and, I, and, and I've been out there with them, and, and, and I've seen more white brothers and sisters at these demonstrations and protests than I have seen other people. And it's lovely, it's beautiful. Now, have there been elements that have been destructive and that have brought bad light and bad attention to these movements? Of course. But for the most part, I think these movements have forced legislators and politicians to really think about policies going forward and what it means for communities of color and low-income communities. All right, this week I also spoke with the Indiana congressman who says he wants to punish violent protesters. Congressman Jim Banks wants to withhold federal unemployment benefits from anyone arrested and convicted for inciting violence. I introduced the bill as a, as a mechanism to deter violent protests and rioters um, from continuing these activities. You know, if you think about it, um, the, the enhanced unemployment benefits that goes to uh, uh, those who are unemployed through the coronavirus aid packages, like the $600 a week that they used to receive. Um, if you took that away from those who, who are rioting and uh, causing violence, I think they would think twice about engaging in those type of activities. Now, this bill has drawn some controversy. One opponent of the idea said Jim Banks wants to take away the right to protest with this new bill, which they say would punish protesters by prohibiting from receiving this financial aid. Is this going to be too controversial a proposal to get through Congress? Yeah, well, first of all, there's a major difference between peaceful protest and violence and rioting. And what my bill does is it says that if you are uh, arrested and found guilty of breaking the law as, as part of a riot or a protest, 
in one of these situations, then you would lose your enhanced unemployment benefits. So uh, I, 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 I believe more than anybody that what makes America great is that we can all speak out and, and uh, protest or go to rallies to show our support for political causes. By the way, as a member of Congress for almost four years, I've seen it all in Washington, D.C. There's no greater place to protest than in Washington, D.C., whether it's um, the March for Life or the Women's March that happens the day later. There are a lot of examples of peaceful protests, but that that is far different than what we're seeing when people are assaulted in the streets, when we're seeing buildings burned down or damaged, when we're seeing statues torn down. That that's um, that is that is unlawful activity. It's not protected by our first First Amendment constitutional rights. So my bill is designed to deter and prevent uh, those situations and to add more penalties to those who engage in violent uh, protests or riots. You know, there have been a lot of uh, viral videos that, that have um, gained a lot of attention, like Senator Rand Paul and his wife Kelly when they left the White House. Another video that's also gained a lot of attention is one of, a, of an unnamed couple. I happen to know them because they're, they're Hoosiers. They don't, they don't wish to be named. They don't want the publicity. It was a memorable night for them, not just because they got to hear a president who they love speak and give a speech, but when they left the White House, they were accosted and assaulted by an Antifa thug who stuck out both of his middle fingers, jumped out in front of the poor lady, and, um, and, and uh, yelled at uh, this couple as they left the White House. You might, uh, you might have seen that video, but if that would have happened in, in most places, especially in almost any city in Northeast Indiana, uh, that Antifa thug would have been arrested for assault. Um, sadly, in too many too many of these situations, um, these uh, th th this type of behavior has been um, has been ignored uh, for far too long. And that that's why my bill, I think, has hit a nerve because uh, at large the American people are wanting their leaders to rise up and put an end to these type of violent activities. Where do you draw the line with the bill, though? You, you talk uh, about people being accosted and shouted at, which uh, many people might agree is rude. But in terms of this legislation itself, you're drawing the line at people actually being arrested for assault, correct? Where do you draw the line? That's right. I'll, I'll leave that up to a judge to determine whether or not someone is guilty of, of, uh, of a crime. But at the end of the day, Dan, my, my bill is designed to be to be a deterrent. All right, this week, Bank's opponent in the 3rd District, Chip Coldiron, said, truth is, it's a distraction. It does nothing to address violence. He also says he thinks Banks is not serious about tackling racial justice either. Coldiron also putting in a statement on that Atlantic report on President Trump, saying, quote, I was shocked when I read the reports as an Army veteran and, more importantly, as an American. He said... I'm disgusted. He called on Banks, a fellow veteran, to weigh in as well. Banks' press secretary told me the congressman uh, doubts the validity of the report. He said President Trump has displayed nothing other than admiration for the bravery and heroism of our armed forces as long as the congressman has known him. We'll talk more about that controversy with our panel straight ahead. Also ahead, we'll hear from party leaders on both sides of the aisle about the election itself. How will things go November 3rd in the midst of this ongoing pandemic? Stick around. We're looking at the latest polling averages from Real Clear Politics right now. When you average out the recent polls, it's a seven-point lead for Joe Biden, three points in the battleground states. Some of those polls have been tightening. The latest Fox News poll from Wisconsin shows Biden still up by several points there. 
Time to talk with our panel now on this Labor Day weekend, which typically marks the uh, real start of election season. Joining us today, Rima Shaheed, Mike Murphy, Robin Winston, Tony Samuel. Let's start with Rima, who's with Women for Change Indiana. As you look at those polls, obviously the pandemic, the economy still top of mind for a lot of people. But we also saw both candidates in Kenosha this week and a lot of other news that each side is, is trying to seize on, right? The House Speaker's haircut, for one. Now this story in the Atlantic that could be pretty unflattering for the president. What do you think most voters are actually focused on right now? I think if 2016 taught us anything, it's not to pay as much attention to the polls and pay more attention to actually getting people to the polls. What we know is that Indiana continues to rank at the bottom in the states as far as voter participation is concerned. So I'd like to spend more less money on pollsters and polling and more money getting people to the polls to actually get them mobilized and voting. And certainly something a lot of people have been talking about in the midst of this uh, pandemic as well. Tony, this story in The Atlantic, uh, we saw the comments earlier there from Congressman Banks' office. Uh, some have also noted sources in this story. If they want America at large to believe them, maybe should have gone uh, on the record. Nonetheless, uh, will this be damaging to the president? No, it won't. Uh, Americans see through this kind of thing. This kind of thing's been happening for the whole four years. You know, you would see an anonymous source story in the Washington Post or the New York Times, and then CNN and others would pick it up, and it would turn out to be false. And that's what we've lived with. People now have why, you know, they're a lot smarter than Democrats and folks on the left uh, give them credit for. The other thing that's behind this, you'll, you'll remember that at the RNC convention last week, Probably the most moving speeches were from the parents of Kayla Mueller, who was kidnapped by ISIS uh, in, in uh, Iraq and raped and uh, killed by ISIS, raped by Baghdadi. Uh, President Trump killed Baghdadi, and those parents of Kayla Mueller spoke to that, said how the Obama-Biden administration had let them down. If the Trump administration was there, this wouldn't have happened and said that President Trump's team gave more empathy and President Trump gave more empathy than the Biden, uh, Obama-Biden administration. And it's so funny that this story comes out after that. You know, I remember when this happened in, in I think, November of 2018, when President Trump made the, the trip to France for the 100th anniversary of, of uh, World War I, there were two events. He couldn't make the first one because the, the rain was terrible and they couldn't uh, work out the traffic situation driving for two hours. He made the second one. That's why he went over there. He would have never said this. And, and these, uh, the, the, this story from the Atlantic, nobody said this back then. They're just looking for things because they know that uh, the military uh, voter and the military is behind President Trump and so, so is law enforcement. So, Robin, what do you uh, what do you make of the events of the last few days? So many different uh, stories happening, really all at the same time. What, what, what do you think voters are are focused on right now? First, they're focused they're focused on COVID nineteen, wearing a mask, trying to deal with the fact that we've lost one hundred eighty six thousand people over something that the president said was a hoax, over the fact that he said it was only one guy came in from Boston from a convention, over the fact that he mentioned fifteen people. Uh, we're only going to be infected over the fact that he said take disinfectant and drink bleach. I cannot let Tony's remarks go without countering them. Forget the Atlantic. We've got video of the president sitting saying that John McCain, who was a war hero, who said, hold me hostage when his dad was head of SYNCPAC, could have been let go because his father was an admiral in charge of all of our Pacific forces, stayed there as a POW. We buried him about a year ago this past week. 
and he said he got shot out of the sky and was not a hero for his country. The same thing with Joe Kernan, who got shot out of the sky, was a POW. I guess he's not a hero for his country either. I guess he was also a sucker. So that isn't any rumor, Tony. That is him on video saying that at an open forum. Mike, how, how do you see this? Um, how do you see this, this controversy playing out here with two months till the election? Well, I think if you hate Trump, you believe the Atlantic. If you love Trump, you think everybody's a liar except for Donald Trump. If you read Mary Trump's book, his, his comments, alleged comments at the, at the, uh, in Europe and at uh, Arlington are pretty consistent with his personality throughout life. She says he lives a life of fear and he cannot stand to have anybody one-up him. And because he dodged the draft, he fears the memory and the honor of the soldiers who died for their country. And so he has to put them down in order to make himself look good. Again, if you love Trump, you think it's all lies. If you hate Trump, you believe every word the Atlantic said. Tony, is this going to have an impact on any Republicans? Um, we did see Dr. Jennifer McCormick, who has stood against her party on a number of issues, uh, tweeting about it, uh, alluding to this. It, will it move the needle for some Republicans at all? Um, I, I don't think it moves the needle any more than uh, there are already uh, uh, anti-Trump Republicans. Um, they, there have been. These are folks that were upset that he beat one of their 16 candidates uh, and that he was draining the swamp. And a lot of these folks were relying on, on uh, political jobs that they didn't get because he became president. So they never have come around. And uh, you'll, you'll hear that message. But the truth is the American voter uh, and a lot of blue collar uh, Americans support President Trump. He is the law and order uh, president. And that's uh, another reason why this kind of thing is coming out. But listen, he's been endorsed by the Fraternal Order of the Police, of police the largest police union in the country, uh, just on Friday. He's been endorsed by the Milwaukee Police Department, the New York uh, uh, Police Department, the New York State Poli uh, uh, Police Unions. Uh, so it, then yeah. this will continue. And that's what's scaring Democrats into coming up with these made-up stories. Now, of course, there's a lot going on in the news. You mentioned some of the endorsements from police. We talked about Kenosha earlier. With everything going on, does it, does it make it more difficult for local candidates, candidates at the statewide level, REMA, to try to focus on, on issues they've been prioritizing, like health care? Obviously, health care is pretty important in the midst of this pandemic, uh, but at the national level, it seems like some of those policy conversations are, are certainly getting drowned out right now. Well, I think that um, like to mention that we're, we're right ahead of Labor Day. And right now, the Senate, they will be on the floor talking about reasonable pregnancy accommodations, something that we've been advocating for here in Indiana to make sure that Hoosier women have that adequate right to be in the workforce and stay in the workforce. And I think that's really important. I know that's something that Governor Holcomb has advocated for as well, a number of legislators. And I think that they would be smart to stay away from from the misinformation coming many times out of Washington and this current administration and focusing more on the needs of Hoosiers here in Indiana, which are growing. Mike, Robin, uh, you've both chaired uh, a party at the at the state or the county level. Um, who would you rather be right now two months until this election? Briefly, uh, Mike, I'll start with you. Well, I tell you, I wouldn't normally say this, but um, I would rather be Trump. I think this entire Unfortunately, I think the Black Lives Matter movement, which has legitimate concerns, has been hijacked, at least in the, in the news coverage, by the anarchists. And I think that it's going to backfire greatly on Biden, even though Biden's not causing okay. it. 
It reminds me of the Vietnam War protests. Everybody thought Nixon would lose in 72, and the, the protest worked okay. in his favor. Quickly, so, quickly, Robin, last word for you. Who would you rather be right now? I'd rather be Joe Biden, because this election is going to boil down to about seven or eight states, which every poll shows him leading in. When you're talking about people in Michigan that have been unemployed, you're talking about people that have lost $300 a week in subsidy for their unemployment. And think about this. Right now, in the middle of all this, the Senate is on vacation. So when you talk about making sure that things matter to the kitchen table, I'd rather be Joe Biden any day of the week. Robin, Tony, Rima, Mike, thank you all so much. We appreciate it. We'll be right back with more right after this. With November 3rd less than two months away, the discussion continues about how to conduct the election itself and whether there'll be enough poll workers on Election Day. Kayla Sullivan spoke with party leaders on both sides. Long lines in the primary election inspired Charles Torwoodzo to step up this time around. Not only is he signed up to work the polls. I was like, I'm going to see how many people I can get to do this. He's a Marion County voter, and so far that county has surpassed its goal. Our goal was 2,000 uh, election workers. We are, uh, we are above that. We are roughly uh, 2,300 election workers. They've ramped up recruitment on social media, hoping for younger poll workers to sign up since COVID-19 isn't as threatening to that population. When talking to some county chairs around the state, that's one of the, the groups that they're really focusing on recruiting. The Indiana Republican Party is confident counties will find enough workers to safely work the polls this fall. We're hearing good things. I mean, it's still really early. Chair John Zodi says the Indiana Democratic Party is pushing the Election Commission to expand voting by mail and allow poll workers to work polls in any Indiana county regardless if they live there. By their inaction and refusal to expand these options, not just mail-in voting, but the options people have to work polls is, is in fact voter suppression in my opinion. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kayla Sullivan. Well, we hope you're having a great Labor Day weekend. Thanks so much for joining us this Sunday in Focus and keep it right here for continuing election coverage from your local election headquarters. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.